This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Meruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. I am your host, Mark Morris, and again with me is Mr. Jared Maruyama. Hey, What's going on, Jared? Not much. My eyes are burning from the uh, watching the eclipse today. So you're <laughs> recording this on Eclipse Day. So did you did you not wear your special glasses? No, I'm like the president. I don't need it. I've got amazing <laughs> eyes. I can look directly into the sun. And see it change, but yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't even have glasses. I didn't watch it this time. Did you watch it? I did not watch it. So my day job, as I'm walking into the office, there we have like this on-site. Um, what do you call it? Like a a restaurant, I guess. So it's like a little cafe, mm-hmm. and somebody rented one of the businesses that has an office here or at my work they have they rented that whole cafe out and they were like outside with a special viewing party oh but i i did not participate with that oh what a grump <laughs> anyway okay so moving on past <laughs> eclipse time there was something that i wanted to talk about really quick before we bring on our guest mm. um it's a little bit of sad news oh yes so in recording time yesterday was the last day for the Disneyland Main Street Electrical Parade. Oh, yes. Glowing so, away. It's gl- it's glown away. It's, it's glowing. Yeah. It's glown. Uh, were you, uh, did you get a chance to see it this time around? Yeah, I did. I did pretty early on. Um, and we did like a dining package at Blue Bayou. So we got good seats and mm. we got to take good pictures. And yeah, but I only went once, I think, once or twice I saw it. Did you go? Yeah, I, I saw it twice too. I'll have to, once, if we ever go to Disneyland together, I'm going to have to give you. Um, my little cheat code into how to get good spot every single time. Cheat code for a parade <laughs> watching? It, it's not an actual code, Jared. It's just my little sneaky way the of getting hints? a good spot. Ah. Yeah. Okay. So you're going right, to tell so the Disney guy how to do Disney. That's great. I look forward <laughs> to that. <laughs> but anyway. All right. So... With all that being said, it's time to bring on our guest for today's episode. It is none other than the talented artist, Mr. Bill Robinson, also known as Flim Flammery. Am I saying that correctly? That's correct. Flim Flammery. (laughs) What's going on, Bill? Uh, Not too much. I just saw the electrical parade myself for the first time ever. Oh, first time ever. Yeah, this past weekend we went to catch it before it left the show and uh, it was great. We loved it. Yeah, what did you think for not ever seeing it? Was it pretty like lo-fi or, or were you so expecting it to be kind of... the funny part is that I grew up listening to the song. The, <laughs> yes. you know, the really catchy, So awesome, iconic. It's yeah. a very iconic song, right? And I, I didn't even know what it was. I just heard the song <laughs> over and over. And so finally seeing it matched with the visuals uh, yeah. was great. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. And, it. and I, you know, I love Disneyland because it's one of the, you know, it's the original Disney park and I love old, older Disney stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it feels super authentic and like the real thing to see yeah. something that old with all those awesome designs. It's great. Uh, so yeah. now you're from the East Coast. Did did you grow up going to Disney World or did you just not do Disney parks as a kid? Yeah, not much. We we went. Uh, I think when I was like six years old. So I oh, got okay. the the classic like little kid Disney experience. But honestly, I don't remember any yeah. of it. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm sure my parents love that, right? It's yeah. <laughs> so expensive to bring a family to Florida. But uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, we grew up just going to like local amusement parks and stuff, but it didn't hold a candle to, to Disney. So. Right, right. Um, so you actually were uh, at the Wonderground Gallery, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode. So we're going to circle back to your time at Wonderground. Um, but I wanted to start off by asking about your day job. So you are an artist, a freelancer, um, and you've got this opportunity to be at Wonderground Gallery at Disneyland. But you do have a normal person job? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I've, uh, since moving down to L.A. a couple of years ago, um, I've mostly been freelancing uh, mm-hmm. in all different parts of a um, little bit of TV, a little bit of gaming, a little bit of uh, feature, uh, actually mostly feature. So I, I spent some time as a character designer on a couple of different features that aren't out yet, mm-hmm. um, which may or may not ever see the light of day that's sort of just <laughs> how you got that's always exciting right right like <laughs> yeah um and when you come in so early and i, I love that coming in early on a project uh but mm. that the downside is that the project may may or may not be made um but you do get a lot of freedom you get to go in a lot of different directions and try a lot of different things and and in some cases work directly with the director um and that that was really fun that's been great um and then had a little bit of time off where I freelanced again, and, and now I'm uh, full-time over at a company called Wild Canary in, in Burbank, okay. and they make shows pretty much exclusively for Disney Junior. So I'm character designing on a show called Puppy Dog Pals, and it is... <laughs> Sounds adorable. It's for preschool kids, and it is really, really cute, and uh, it's a beautiful show. It's really well-designed, really well-animated, um, and I'm, I'm really happy to be on that team. So, so oh, I'm sorry, Mark, I'm going to cut in there. Uh, is it traditional <laughs> animation or is it a, like a 3D kind of thing? Yeah, it's actually 3D. So oh, um, all the all the pre-production work is traditional. Of course, we have painters and we have character designers and storyboard artists and layout artists and um, a lot of people doing drawing, a lot of people designing in two dimensions. Um, but mm-hmm. then everything is translated to 3D. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you're primarily a, a visual development artist. I, now that seems like it can cover quite a bit. Does that like, I wonder if you could sort of describe what you do? Like, is it, is it uh, like establishing a visual look? Is it character designs mostly, or, or does it just matter on whatever you get hired for? Yeah. Great question. Um, I, I think it does mostly matter what the project is and who you're working with. Um, though generally uh, VizDev will encompass both uh, environment design, prop mm-hmm. design, character design, overall like sort of story moment design uh, where you'll see like a, a key moment from the film being illustrated um, and, and that's going to be used to sort of pitch sequences for the mm-hmm. director. He'll be able to go right. in, he or she will be able to go into a, a room full of executives and say, look at these beautiful art, this is what the movie can look like in the end. Um, so I've done everything ranging from that kind of thing, story sequences that are fully painted and lit and rendered and just look, you know, trying to sell the look of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also done stuff that's way more sketchy, just sort of, uh, initial character designs and then honing that and bringing that more into a final look for a character and putting together 
eventually character sheets and turnarounds and that kind of stuff. Um, so, so visual development really, it can encompass a lot of different things and it depends on, on the company you're at and the project you're on. Now, do you Was get, that- I just want to wrap this up. I'm sorry, Mark, I'll <laughs> let you go. I should have done my son. Now are, I've always wondered though, like, are you, uh, this is obviously at the beginning of the production early on, uh, depending obviously on, on when they bring you on, but do you stay around for the, the, the life of the show or do Viz dev people usually leave after the show gets sort of established and the ball's rolling? Yeah, it, that also depends on, on the studio and also sort of the structure of, of the show. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know that a lot of my friends that are biz dev artists over at Disney, you know, they, they may be on it for a very long time. There may be people that join maybe three or four years before the film comes out, even, even longer, even five or six years before a film comes mm-hmm. out and you're doing very early stuff. And then you may move off it after a couple of years and there may be other people that roll on and stay on it right up through, not, not through the very end of the show because it is a, an early process, um, mm-hmm. but usually they'll be on it up until at least a few people will be on it up, up through to help out with things like marketing and um, you know promotional images and posters and things that need to get made closer to the, the end. They'll mm-hmm. also help with that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay, Mark, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do, do I get a turn now? Yes, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just wanted to ask, like, you're in animation. I think that's a for artists um, and anybody in the creative field, like that's kind of where you're, you want to end up. Is that something that when you decided to go into art, you wanted to end up in the animation field? Or is this something that just kind of happened through um, how you developed as an artist? Yeah, I, I think... As a kid, I didn't know anything about animation. I, I had no understanding that those movies were made by human beings and that they drew. <laughs> I mean, I just thought they were magic. Everybody just, you know, yeah. as a kid, you don't really get it. Uh, unless you grew up in L.A., I feel like there's all these kids that grow up in L.A. and they know exactly what animation is and they're <laughs> doing it at age 10. Um, but no, growing up on the East Coast and having no connection to, to artists or, or this industry... Uh, I really didn't understand much about it or that that people got paid to, to do that kind of thing. So it took me yeah. a long time to kind of get into that um, set mindset of, you know, I could be an animator, I could work in animation. But the funny thing being that the road I took to get here actually makes a lot of sense. Um, as a kid, I was really into puppets. I loved puppetry. Um, <laughs> I loved Jim Henson, stop motion puppets. Uh, I did a lot of marionette shows as a kid. Um, I built marionettes. I performed marionettes. Uh, and if you think about it, it's just animation. You're designing a world. You're moving a character. You're telling a story. Right. Um, and so then I decided I wanted to go to film school. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do live action film. Um, and the school I went to, RIT in upstate New York in Rochester, uh, they had a terrific animation program too. And after a year of kind of going back and forth, do I want to do animation or live action? Um, I switched over to animation and because I love drawing so much. So, yeah. So before we go too much further in animation, I got to go back to puppets. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where, where, did, where did that come from? I mean, did you just see it as a kid and, and like it or did someone introduce it to you at an early age? Yeah. Well, my old, I have two older sisters and uh, one of them was definitely the nerd and more obsessed with fantasy <laughs> and uh, art. She That's was, very sweet you of know, you to she, say. She's the artist uh, and she showed me Labyrinth and Dark Crystal at a very young age, mm. Um, mm. which I just thought were mind-blowing. Like yeah. I just, I didn't understand really 
how these things could be made. So I started getting every book possible about Jim Henson or, or Labyrinth or special effects. I think in, in fourth grade, we had to write a, a like, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of paper or whatever. And mm-hmm. I found it a little while ago. My mom was like, oh, this is funny. You should look at this. <laughs> and it was like, what do you want to be when you grow up in fourth grade? I wanted to be a visual effects supervisor, which <laughs> oh, is like, man. that's that's very specific, very specific. for a, for a fourth grader. <laughs> yeah. And that was because there was a show called Movie Magic mm-hmm. um, on mm-hmm. uh, Discovery or something like that. And, and it was it was awesome. It was all the behind the scenes of like Star Wars and animation. And um, it's funny because I did start to see that kind of thing as a kid. And I, I never thought of it as 2D animation. I always thought of it as special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where the puppetry. And I, I really wanted to learn like animatronics. And, um, you know, as I was growing up, all that stuff got phased out. And so by the time I made it to, to college, everything was CG, computers, um, so I yeah. figured if I'm going to do this, it has to be animation. So there's got to be uh, a good story about at least one good story about the puppets or the shows that you put on. Like, like, did you, <laughs> did you do this for friends oh, yeah. or did you? Did yeah. You th- yeah. Uh, so I, uh, one specific friend, uh, my friend Ian, uh, Ian Samuels, who is now he's had an amazing career. He, uh, after college went and worked for Sesame street. Um, hmm. also, you oh, know, wow not performing, but, but writing and working on the show. And then, um, he, uh, from there went to Cal arts. And, and after that he directed, um, a, a puppet, a bunch of puppet movies, uh, a short with a puppet that went to Sundance and did very well there. And he just directed his first feature film starring, uh, Barb from stranger things. So <laughs> he's done great. Um, and hopefully we can continue to, we're still friends. We still work on stuff together. We, uh, wrote and illustrated a kid's book together. Um, so it's really fun to like still be in touch with people that I, that I worked with as a kid. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we performed, uh, puppet shows together as, as kids. And it sounds really (laughs) weird when you try to explain it to people, like they picture something very, uh, basic, I think, but our shows were pretty, extravagant and pretty involved like they had full voice cast starring like all of our friends and family that would start we (laughs) pre-recorded all of the dialogue we wrote the scripts they had songs musical numbers um and that was just the audio side visually you know we created dozens (laughs) of puppets they were all fully articulated they had handmade costumes they were uh you know hand sculpted we painted all the backgrounds we had props we had uh we had a full theater that collapsed that my dad built that we would take with (laughs) us to show to shows we would go to schools and libraries and fairs we made money off it like it was it was pretty how how old were you when this was happening that was basically we started we did our first show in fifth grade and we did it all the way up through high school so that's incredible and is this (laughs) is this uh documented anywhere do you still have visuals Uh, from all of this i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay what jared's asking Is this is this Googleable? It is not Googleable. No, uh, thank God YouTube did not exist uh, back then. I, I have personal uh, records of these things for myself, yeah. but I and they are not on the internet. No. Oh, you totally should. I would love to see. That. It's funny how many people. I mean, even just people that I think that we've talked to so far have been yeah. influenced by puppets, or or that that was some part of their their development, um, you know, obviously all of us growing up in sort of the Henson Lucas Disney time, I think you can't help but be, you know, especially in the create 
the creative field, you can't help but be sort of influenced by yeah, totally. one of those people at some point. So yeah, you should totally, oh my gosh, even if you just put a picture, there's got to be a picture of you guys <laughs> holding your puppets. Every, every puppet we, deer has a picture. We were in the newspaper. We got, See? Written, it was, oh. yeah, it was, uh, we were on TV at one point. They interviewed, it was, yeah, it was what, pretty what wild. Was it, what was it called? Did you guys have a name for your theater kind of thing? It was thing? called Puppet Play Hall. Puppet Play Hall. That was the name of our company. So going down the VH1 behind the music, uh, (laughs) what was the downfall of Puppet Play Hall? Uh, As far as I know, it still exists and we're still making (laughs) product. Uh, It's been a little while. We're on hiatus. Um, Though I have actually talked to to Ian about the possibility of putting on another puppet show someday. Oh my God, that'd be incredible. You know, with the amount of experience we have now... uh, we could make something really cool. Wow. Well, so, okay. I, this, I'm uh, not too far away from you, so you got to let me know when castings are, <laughs> and I'll just make this short drive over to L.A. Excellent. The, <laughs> this Excellent. conversation took a very different turn uh, than I <laughs> anticipated. I'm a little thrown here now. Okay, so we should go back to, to animation. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so oh. <laughs> what was your first job uh, out of school doing, doing sort of what you're doing now? So when I was in school, I got a, I got a great internship. Um, it, the weird thing being that up in upstate New York, there's really not an, indus- an animation industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the school I went to, it was a terrific school, uh, but they did not really encourage people to go to L.A. and become uh, part of the industry here. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really was more about being like an independent filmmaker and, mm-hmm. and being an independent animator is, is there's like two of them in the world, maybe three now. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's not many and it's hard to really support yourself doing that. So anyway, I, I looked around while I was in school for anything local and, and the, uh, one place that was hiring a lot of RIT students was, um, Fisher Price, the toy mm. company. So yeah. they have a, a location in East Aurora, New York, which is just near Buffalo um and so they they were hiring for a project that was going to be a a like a dvd insert with a toy so they had a new toy line coming out called planet heroes i don't know if anybody remembers those toys i think they weren't a huge hit i don't (laughs) think they lasted long um but they yeah they wanted to create a dvd kind of like a pilot um that would ship with the toy so I was going to go on to that show and be, they had a small team of basically students or people right out of school uh, producing a, almost the full, I want to say 45 minutes about of animation in-house. Everything was completely in-house, no outside outsourcing of any kind. Um, and yeah, that was, a, that was a tough project, but it was great because it was, we got to do everything. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a good job though, right out of college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was good. So how did you end up uh, making it over to the other side of the coast? Or the, <laughs> the other coast. There you go. <laughs> uh, so I honestly had never thought I would go to California. I, I grew up thinking um, New York, New York City would be my, my destination. Um, and, and my friend Ian, who, who I had done the puppet shows and stuff with, he was living in New York at the time. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I'll just go to New York and we'll see what kind of animation stuff is available there. Um, and it's mostly TV and, and kids television kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I wasn't that into it. Um, but then I had a friend from school who, uh, Brittany Lee, who's an amazing animator and illustrator mm-hmm. from Disney. She, she ended up in San Francisco and I said, what's in San Francisco? There's animation there. Like what's there? <laughs> and I didn't <laughs> even know 
Pixar and Lucas and all these amazing companies are up there. Um, but she was working at a small, like a little startup game company. Mm. And, uh, mm. you know, the best way to find a job I've always found is through friends, through connections and stuff. So I was yeah, lucky totally. enough to, to, they had an opening and she put in a good word and, and we ended up working together for, for a few years um, at a small game company there called Three Rings. Um, and that was that was great. It was a super fun company to work at. It got me out, out of upstate New York. <laughs> Nothing against upstate New York, but there was a lot of snow. And uh, I, I was happy to go to California. Um, so that's what got me out there. It was a, a great job. And, and a lot of my friends, for one reason or another, had all ended up in, in that city. We would get together on the weekends and I would say, oh, my God, all my college friends are here in, this, in San Francisco. It was crazy. So did you go to school with Brittany in New York? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we went okay. to the we, we first day of film school, like walk in and sit down next to her <laughs> and she's drawing amazing Disney quality <laughs> animations as a freshman and I was like, Oh, where do you want to work? And she's like, Disney. I was like, Okay, <laughs> it's probably gonna happen. And it did. <laughs> so then you're working at a game company, like did you think that uh gaming was something that you wanted to do or was the goal always to get over to animation or a studio or something like that yeah you know i i was kind of being that young i i was happy to do anything and, mm -hmm. and i i grew up loving video games playing as nintendo guy forever since mm -hmm. i was a little kid um and i just was was happy to kind of do anything where i got to have fun and design characters from scratch and design worlds and stuff so um it, it was definitely on my mind once I got there and had been in the area for a while, like, oh, you know, Pixar's here and there is there's all these other places um, available to to work at or, or, you know, just amazing artists. That artist community that was there um, was really cool. So yeah. I, I did start getting exposed to a lot of other things. And, and it did become after a few years like, oh, maybe maybe I'd like to get into, you know, TV or, or film or something else. So, yeah. So then you're in San Francisco, and then uh, what brought you to L.A.? Well, I stayed in San Francisco for about seven, seven and a half years. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was there for a while, jumping around to different game companies, freelancing. I, I started doing a lot of uh, children's book illustration while I was up there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, for a long time, I had been saying, well, maybe we'll go to L.A. And I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of people in San Francisco have a huge chip on their shoulder about L.A. They, <laughs> they are anti-L.A., a lot of them, um, and they, they do not want you to go there. And uh, the funny part being that people in L.A., have, they don't care about people in San Francisco. Right. They, they think it's cool. They're whatever. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I was just terrified of the traffic and, and yeah. the um, – I knew that it would be kind of a, a more competitive kind of uh, uh, industry. Um, mm, so right. it was definitely a little scary to make that jump. Um, but so we had been thinking about it, my wife and I, forever. My wife, uh, she worked in marketing and she worked at tech startups and stuff. And I don't think she really saw where she would be in L.A. She wasn't really sure, like, what, what am I going to do if I move down there? Mm -hmm. And then of all things, she got a job at Disney. Oh. So <laughs> she ended up going down to LA uh, before me for for a job at Feature on Moana um, oh. in the mar oh, wow. marketing. So she she was uh, actually on the production team as a production supervisor, um, and that was her first job in in feature animation. And she she loved it. She killed it. She did a great job. And um, then I said, okay, well I guess it's time. I guess we're moving to LA. So. It got me, it forced me out. 
Oh, okay. So you didn't you didn't have a job lined up when you moved down there. No, you were following I, her. Okay. Yeah, I was following her. I mean, the good thing was that I I had uh, you know freelance income and and connections to a lot of different people down here um, from different shows from doing things like CTN and, and Comic-Con and stuff. I, I had known a lot of people in LA. So when I did make that move, it was, it was kind of just a matter of blasting out to Facebook and my network and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm in the area. Um, I'm going to be here full time now. Is there any, anything out there? And, and that has always worked wonders for me. I've been very lucky, um, to just have a great group of friends and, and professional yeah you know, people out there. Uh, so I want you, you mentioned conventions. I wanted to just change gears really quick and talk about a little bit about that. Sure. Um, is that something that you, do you go to conventions with that in mind? Um, you know, making different connections and networking, or is it something that you're just trying to get your artwork out there to a fan base and maybe make, um, a little bit of extra money? Oh, it's definitely both. I mean, um, mm. and there's shows that cater to one more than the other. Like I mentioned, CTM right. is, is a great show that is definitely for students and professionals to kind of more of an industry convention. And it's very small, but um, compared mm-hmm. to something like Comic-Con. So it's not all about selling tons of stuff. It's it's about getting your work in front of people. And uh, I think when I go to shows like San Diego or WonderCon or, or any of these other shows that I do, it's more for selling. Um, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you, you do, especially San Diego, you meet a lot of LA industry types who are looking for the next coolest thing. They're looking for cool comic properties or book properties or whatever that um, if you're a creator and you're specifically looking to make those connections, Comic-Con is a terrific place for it. You know, recently, well, maybe not that recently, but you, there was a discussion I remember on your Facebook about cons and you were, I think you were prepping for what you were going to uh, bring to either Comic-Con or one of the shows. And you sort of opened up this debate about uh, fan art versus uh, creating mm-hmm. your own uh, IPs. I wonder if you could just talk about that a little bit. Like you're obviously working in, in the industry. Uh, so you're sort of surrounded by pop culture and that stuff all the time. And, and pop culture certainly dominates these cons uh, and the gallery shows and things like that. Where, where did you land on all of that? Did you find that it, the time was better spent uh, developing your own properties? Uh, and then maybe for these shows, is that the same thing? Or do you think you have to lean more on the pop culture for the shows? Like where did you sort of land on that uh, discussion yeah i it's a good question i i don't really know i mean it kind of um i think when i think about what i want to actually hang in my own house like the art that i love it's actually changed a lot over the last five ten years Mm -hmm. um i i lean now more towards uh less pop culture type stuff um Mm -hmm. more fine art more um you know sort of original content that that I have some sort of connection to. Uh, and I'll even look at some of my own pieces and, and think like, huh, maybe, you know, is that something I would hang up in my house? Is that really, <laughs> is that satisfying to me? Uh, my own worst critic, of course, every artist is. So I sure. think a lot of artists would say I would never hang my own work in my house. But, right. so but Jared only the, hangs his work right, in exclusively his house. me. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. every room. <laughs> um, so that may not be the best bar, but it, it, it's for me, it's it's like, you have to have something that people relate to when you go to some of these cons. It's not, it's not every show. I think there are specific shows, maybe like, um, 
I don't know, maybe like Designer Con or Unique LA or, or, or uh, Renegade Craft Fair or something. Mm-hmm. Like there's a bunch of shows where they, they definitely want original content. They don't want to see a bunch of fan art. Right. Um, and then you may go to something like uh, like Fan Alley or, or, or like some other comic expos that, that heavily lean on that. And it really just depends on the show and the crowd at the show. Like if they're specifically looking for fan art and you mm-hmm. may have people, plenty of people come up to my booth and they will they will see stuff that's original and they'll say what is that from right and i'll I'll go it's it's from me it's from my brain i came up with it and they kind of they don't really get it they're like yeah but like what movie and i'm like no it's not from a movie like i i just you know so um it can be a little frustrating sometimes when you do make that effort to really do something original and do your own kind of thing and then people just (laughs) assume it's from something um, which, which I guess is flattering too, that they think it's like good enough to be sure. from a movie or something like that's cool. I wish it was a movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I still lean towards, I'm okay with, with doing a little bit of fan art. I certainly mm-hmm. don't want it to be my, my main thing. And I know that if it say that I didn't even do conventions or shows or sell any kind of stuff, cause that territory gets a little weird anyway. Uh, <laughs> but if, if I was solely like an Instagram person looking uh, social media numbers person trying to get my numbers up Mm. i know Mm. that that's sort of a guaranteed way to get eyeballs on your your work is to use those hashtags and tag people and have super popular stuff that people love i mean obviously disney is is one of those properties that people love and um you know people will follow just for disney content um so as a savvy business person, like you do have to consider that sometimes. Um, but there are plenty of people who have huge followings and are incredibly talented and, and doing very well in the industry who never do a lick of fan art. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would say that it's, it's sort of up to the artists themselves. Right. So similar to uh, the conventions and kind of networking and using that as a platform to maybe meet new people and get new work. How do you use social media to do kind of the same thing or do you use it to, for those reasons? Yeah, I mean, I, like I, I've said actually a couple of times in, in, already that it, without even meaning to, but that my, my network of people that I know mm-hmm. um, has provided me with, with almost every job I've ever gotten has mm-hmm. basically been through uh, either you know, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or one of those things where people see my work. Um, or they know me from a show and we hooked up on a, on a, on a platform and we, you know, kept in touch. Um, Mm -hmm. and that has been invaluable. So I would absolutely tell every young artist to get your work out there, like be, be visible, um, engage with your audience, um, and be consistent, you know, keep, keep posting and keep improving and keep showing that you love what you're doing. Um, and that, that will really translate to people who begin to follow you or, or engage with your work. Um, and it's, yeah. So I, I would absolutely say that I use it and I think it's very important <laughs> for, for every artist. Oh, Go ahead, Jerry. oh okay. No, I was just going to say like, you've worked for a lot of these big companies now, um, in different, in different sort of areas. I mean, all around VizDev and stuff, but, um, I was wondering if you had any advice for people who are trying to kind of do what you're doing. And I'm sure you probably get this question, all the time. Uh, as far as the specific type of work, uh, what do you what do you tell people to sort of develop on like more environments? I mean, obviously, it depends on what their interest lies. But what do you what would you encourage people to show in their portfolio as far as like types of work? 
Yeah, well, it really I guess it kind of depends on on what your focus is and I would say that most if you're going for a studio job, um specifically like an animation studio, um it's it's also going to be different between TV and film, but let's say you were going for a a film animation job. Mm-hmm. Uh and you wanted to do visual de- just a general visual development, um whether you wanted to do environments, maybe some characters too though usually there will be a little bit more of a focus on one over the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that for characters, which is my my specialty, I would say that I lean more towards characters, that you really want to have a portfolio that shows uh, uh, range um, and not only in, in expression and, and uh, style, but also in, in sort of um, your ability to, to portray story and... Uh, tell telling a story through a character which mm-hmm. i think is really important so you know if you're applying to like a disney or a dreamworks or, or like a, a bigger feature studio sony and these bigger feature studios they they often want to look at you look at your work and kind of be able to plug you into a, a position they want to mm-hmm. say like oh this guy is really good at um this kind of thing mm-hmm. um you know we have a movie coming up with that kind of thing um, right. So sometimes it's that, and sometimes it's it's more of just you know we really enjoy your overall body of work. I think that a lot of younger students think like, oh, I have to learn the Disney style, or I have mm-hmm. to learn um, the style of that company, and and that's what my portfolio should be. It should feel like a Disney movie, or it should be. Um, and I think that yes, it's great to learn that style. It's great to be able to do it if you're called on to do it. Um, and they want to make sure that that it's in your repertoire to some degree, mm-hmm. but they don't want to see you know something they've already seen before. They don't. They already have people that can do that. So um, it's really important to to sort of have your own voice. And uh, even if you're super inspired by that work, find something different that that you really love, or find an art another type of artist that you're really into. Find right. something that that differentiates you. Yeah, that's interesting. It's funny, too, that you mentioned Brittany Lee earlier, because I think there's a whole generation that is coming up uh, based on Frozen, that we're going to see a wave of animators (laughs) and artists that that got into the field specifically because of Frozen, and a lot based on what Brittany has done. There is so much of that look out there right now, where people are emulating sort of what Brittany has established. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has sort of become the Disney look to to a large degree. Wh- where do you stand then on people? Should they be developing their own style on top of doing sort of on model work? Or is it like, does one, should it lean one way or the other? Yeah, I mean, I think if, if you can, there are certain jobs out there where if you can pull off a look, and say you really can nail like the specific look that a uh, studio does, you know, you could have a great career in, in uh, consumer products or you could have, um, you know, there's all sorts of auxiliary parts of companies that need help nailing yeah. style to a like illustration, you know, books, all that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying that like it wouldn't lead somewhere good to be able to <laughs> like just nail like a certain style, but I think if you really want to go far in your career and you really want to be able to be like, you know, like Britney, like setting a style for a movie right. and really having an influence on, on like the direction of, um, of a film or even a company, uh, I think that you really need to have your own, your own voice and your own, your own style. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great answer. So what was it like when you, uh, we're working for Disney. It doesn't sound like Disney was a was a huge like dream for you. But when you were working there, 
how was it when you first started uh, actually going to the the studio and stuff? So I, well, it's funny because my wife was at Feature and she, <laughs> right. she, she was there. I would go visit her all the time. That was fun. Um, <laughs> but I, well, she was there. I was over at Disney Interactive. So I was on the campus right next door. Right. Um, so I was, I was working over in Glendale and that was really fun. That was a great little uh, temporary job just as a first thing down here in, in, in LA. Of course, working on a game that never got made. <laughs> That's how it is. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then um, I've never I've never worked for Disney Features. So I've done a lot of work around Disney. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at basic, I'm not at Disney TV, but it's Wild Canary, which is, uh, you know, so I'm working on a Disney TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done work for uh, Disney Park now with with Wonderground. Um, and I've done work for, uh, Disney publishing. I did a whole series of books based on frozen. There were like nine of them. So I, yeah. <laughs> I was working on frozen for a long time. Um, but you know, it's, it's funny because there's such a huge corporation that you can, you can work for like 20 different divisions without ever actually working on a movie or working on, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, a feature. Um, right, right. so, so that would be sure. That would be lovely one day if that was the, the direction my career took. If I end up there, that'd be awesome. But um, I'm happy to, you know, have done the work that I've done so far. Uh, so I, I know those frozen books very well. I, I, like I've done some work <laughs> with, uh, with publishing and, um, mm-hmm. whenever I have to do frozen stuff, I think they actually end up sending me a lot of your stuff. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> how, how was it working on that project? It, it's such a popular franchise and I know personally that they are very careful with that mm. franchise and, and how yes. they do that. How was that process for you doing uh, so many books and so many illustrations? Yeah, I, I, it was great. I did not, um, I did not know. I don't think any of us knew upfront how popular that movie would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started working on it, the movie had just come out. Um, okay. so it was just sort of starting to gain its popularity. Yeah. Um, and I think they, they kind of quickly realized like we need to, take control of the brand, um, yeah. which is very smart. I mean, Disney knows how to control a brand. Like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody knows, they know. And you can learn a lot by the things <laughs> they've done. So, yeah, it was it was interesting because I wasn't working directly with Disney. I was actually working through Random House. Um, mm-hmm. And they were also great to work with. It just, um, it sort of goes through a lot of phases. You know, like any, any job with a big corporation, especially someone like Disney, it's going to go... I don't like I don't like the term red tape, but there's definitely some red tape. It's <laughs> sure. really, you know things have to be approved by a lot of different people. Yep. Um, so yep. it was it was good in that it was kind of a crash course on on the branding and learning exactly like how to portray things on model and uh, what how far you can push things. You know, like some sometimes the notes that would come back would be like. A little bit less, uh, you know, my my characters tend to be pretty, like, exaggerated uh, expressions and Stylized, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty stylized. So sometimes I get to nose to tone that down, which which is, you know, understandable um, on that property. Uh, but, um, yeah, overall it was great. It just, it started out as uh, one book, and then they said, let's, we're going to do two. And I was like, oh, two books, that's pretty cool. And then they were like, we've got a third and fourth one. Play-. And then suddenly it was nine, and I was like, that's great (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's a lot but um it was it was a good 
it's really fun now to kind of put them all up on a shelf and see nine books in a series. Yeah, that, awesome. yeah. Um, and by the end of it, I, I had to sort of bow out of like every single phase of that process because it was <laughs> so much and there were so, just the, and I was working a full-time job just the whole time while doing those too. Uh. So um, it was all like in my <laughs> spare time that I didn't have that much of. <laughs> um, yeah. So I ended up doing like the, the full color covers and I would do all the roughs for the illustrations and then they would, by the end of it, they would be passed off to other artists to do the cleanup. Um, and that was actually the best of both worlds, I guess, mm -hmm. because I got to do <laughs> the story illustrations, which is what I really love doing. Um, and I didn't have to do the sort of tedious on model cleanup stuff. Um, they have very yeah. good people <laughs> who are very good at doing just that. And uh, <laughs> I, I thank them <laughs> for, for doing that. Oh, wow. That's so amazing. So how... how how long was that whole process for you doing these books? Did you like, you finished one and you started the next one immediately? Was there any yeah. downtime between the books or was it just a straight go for like five years? It was, it was almost <laughs> a straight go for, um, yeah, I want to say at least three years. Um, mm -hmm. it, wow. We just finished the last one uh, in like this beginning of this year. Um, so yeah, it was since whenever Frozen came out. Mm. how long that, that was <laughs> yeah yeah it was a while and there wasn't much time there was sometimes like a little bit more time between them and then and then you you kind of at a certain point were like okay these these have to end at some point right <laughs> like <laughs> they can't they can't just keep on going forever um but uh oh yes yeah, they can they, bill they can well, go on. <laughs> yeah i don't know i know frozen 2 is coming down yeah, the line so <laughs> i may be back at it uh we'll see <laughs> Yeah. So uh, what was the process like when you were working on those books? Like, what did you use when you were doing the full illustrations and everything? Was that Photoshop? Like, I don't even know your process, really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty much a, a Photoshop guy. Um, it was uh, the process pretty much just like most projects. It was where I would uh, do maybe three, three or four uh, takes on a cover. They would ask, mm -hmm. you know, give me a a brief, you know, like this cover, um, is Anna and Elsa, uh, in a dog sled race. Um, right, and right. we need to show them coming down a hill in a, in a, with the castle in the background and, uh, you know, three dogs and a sled. Mm -hmm. And so you'd come up with three different takes on that and see how that goes. And, and they would give you notes on, um, which one they liked and, and maybe modify it a little bit. And then you do a color comp and, um, a tighter line version um, and get that approved and then uh, move on to a full a full colored illustration and those were for the covers um, for the interiors it was a pretty similar kind of thing where they would give you the full manuscript of the book um, and I would try to read that whole thing once through mm -hmm. and then um, take that and start breaking it down into sort of thumbnail uh, phase where I would I would just do really rough, quick little sketches, which I never showed that stuff to Disney or really to anyone because um, <laughs> sometimes you don't want to show that early that yeah. early stuff that's not <laughs> totally fleshed out. So then I would do rough sketches based on those thumbs, get the rough sketches approved, and then um, do the cleanup sketch. Or I would do I guess a tight version they yeah. call it. So then I would do tights, and that even the tights are not clean. So the tights would be given to the cleanup artist. Um, and they would bring everything completely on model down to like the smallest things that you probably don't even think about, mm -hmm. but, but the cleanup artists think about and you know, how many snowflakes on Elsa's braid and exactly right. where does it hang <laughs> and where, you know, how does the two hairs on her head turn when you turn her head this way and, 
it's all very specific. So. Yeah. Uh, so was that uh, Disney that was doing the the tight cleanup drawings, or was that? Uh, yeah, had- they had an artist, um, an Italian artist. If you uh-huh. if you have a copy of the book, they they I was very happy they actually credit the whole team of artists. Sometimes <laughs> it just says like Disney artists. Yeah, um, but they Starbuck actually, team. yeah, yeah, they they wrote all the the illustrators' names and stuff in inside, which is great. And um, yeah, th- that artist is super talented. She she just is great at Disney cleanup. I think she's worked on a bunch of Disney storybooks. Yeah, and then that tight uh, drawing would come back to you for color, or did it go to somebody else for color? Um, yeah, so for the covers, uh, it came back to me for color, and mm-hmm. I would follow. And you know, when that tight cleanup comes back, you follow it exactly yeah you do not deviate. <laughs> you follow it exactly um and then uh the interiors were actually those books they're all black and white so they they got inked and uh they had like some tone put on them but um mm. yeah the rest of it didn't need color so oh okay okay oh wow it's such a it's such an interesting process now you've done a few books uh, is that something that you're interested in going into as a sort of a side to what you're doing as a day job as a viz dev artist, or is it just you take those projects as they interest you? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, mostly I take them as they interest me. Um, I do love book illustration and I think that it's, um, it would be a great career. Uh, if, if the, the work was maybe a little more steady and predictable, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's, it kind of comes whenever it wants to come and just, you know, I don't depend on it as my main source of income um, because of that. So I, I love doing it. I think it's terrific. It's it's a really great way to sort of have full control over the look of something mm-hmm. um, and be able to tell a story um, efficiently, like really quickly. I feel like when you work on a, yeah. a movie or or a TV show or whatever, it's it's a very drawn out process involving a lot of people and a lot of money and a lot of time. And, uh, when you do a picture book, it's like, oh, I get to just, I draw everything and I, you know, I I get full control over sort of what the general look of it and and the color and the design of the characters. And, um, I mean, maybe not full control, not if you're with a bigger (laughs) corporation, but, um, when you do, I've done a number of my own sort of self-published projects. And then I've Uh done a number of, um, other like movie tie-in projects with like, uh, Universal and DreamWorks and stuff. So I've kind of seen both sides of that. And yeah. I, I think the next step for me would be that I would love to either find an agent or if I can do it without one, I, I would just start pitching my own um, projects, my own books uh, and try to get those made. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to go back and listen to our episode with Luke Flowers because mm. he's in publishing. Yeah. He works with Scholastic, but I forget the name of the convention. Jared, you might remember it oh, where you can actually go as an artist and oh. – um, there's like meetings with publishers yeah. to show your work in New York. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it's in New York, so you might have to go back to. Yeah, I don't know if that's the book fair or if that's um, a different one, but uh, yeah, yeah. There's also like the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, and yeah, I yeah, Luke is great. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's prolific. He that guy. I don't know how he does it. It's amazing how many books. Uh, and he also, out. and he also uh, is into puppets too. Yeah, yeah I know, right? right? <laughs> Um, so we talked about you've worked with like a lot of different divisions within Disney. You've done the books and publishing. You've done some TV animation. But one of the things you've you've mentioned, but I want to kind of talk about this a little bit more, is uh, Wonderground Gallery, which is the 
I guess you'd call it like the official gallery at Disneyland. So currently you are the artist in residence. So you've been there every weekend for August. Why don't you take us back a little bit and tell us how that whole relationship started? Yeah, sure. Um, Wonderground, is, yeah, it's great. It's a it's a really fun space um, to to hang out in and to to be. Uh, <laughs> I'm so happy to just be there, you know, on the weekend. And yeah, that started. I I think you know I had some friends, and like I said, like you're just professional network and stuff. Like I had some friends mm-hmm. that were starting to show their work in the gallery, um, and they recommended me. I think they kind of suggested me as a person, <laughs> as someone that they should start to look at and pay attention to. And I met, um, some of the folks from there at, uh, Comic-Con and, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if they told me that it, that they were from Wonderground, but they, they could, they do that. They go around and they kind of scout and they check out people's work, um, which, you know, is great because it, it helps, um, you know, up and coming artists with exposure and just finding a a place for your, your work, um, to really kind of have, uh, a lot of eyes on it which is, um, sometimes the hardest, the hardest part about selling your work is just getting it in front of the right audience. Um, you may have really beautiful illustrations and if you're not reaching the right people, um, it's never going to sell. So I have found, uh, the Wonderground Gallery to be just a terrific opportunity, um, in terms of my own, my own work getting shown in front of people, but then also being lucky enough to do some of the, the Disney licensed stuff, um, which is also Mm -hmm. really fun to work with. So I want to talk specifically about your artist in residence. Um, Jared, did you have something before we go on to no, no, no. current times? That's fine. Go No, <laughs> I mean, I do, but we'll go back to it because there's a couple of things I'm, I'm not going to miss here. So, uh, but yeah, okay. no, we can stay with Wonderground for now. Okay. So you, uh, I've noticed this, I'm fo- we're following you on Instagram and every, is it, are you there on Saturday and Sunday yeah. or is it just one? Okay. Yeah, both nights. So you, you go in and you have this, it's like a villain series that you've been working on throughout this whole month. Um, is that something that you came up with on your own or did they kind of pitch an idea for you because it's getting close to the Halloween season, if you will? Um, or is this just something that you kind of thought of on your own? Uh, that was that was me. I just love villains. Uh, they <laughs> they are awesome at letting artists do. Uh, at least for me, I, I don't know about mm-hmm. Jared or anybody else, but they they have <laughs> they have actually never asked for anything specific from me. They've always said okay. it's up to me to to pick out whatever properties I want to work with. I mean, they they are good about sort of directing me um, to stuff maybe that's more popular than mm-hmm. stuff that would be less popular. Uh, when I first the first few pieces I did for them. I was like, I'm going to do the weird stuff. I'm going to yeah. do like, <laughs> I did a pink elephant's piece and I did a sword in the stone piece. I did a bunch of stuff that like most park goers aren't really that into. There's always a few that are super excited that, that I did the, yeah. the property. But, you know, if you go towards the more popular stuff, which honestly ends up being more like princesses and stuff, then, uh, you know, you're, you're basically guaranteed to, to sort of do better business in general. But uh, I... <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. My hipster black cauldron line did not take off. <laughs> <laughs> I had high hopes for that. Right? That yeah. that. Oh, it's too bad. <laughs> I I would have bought it. <laughs> um, so the the series that you're doing with the villains, how much prep are you doing before you actually show up to the gallery? Because you're actually completing these pieces on site in the gallery. Right. Right. So yeah. how much are you doing and like prepping and planning before you actually step foot in there? 
So anybody that does the, the artist in residence, you, you are required mm -hmm. to sort of have um, sketches ahead of time. You have to get them approved by Disney. So you're not just running in there drawing whatever you want and, <laughs> and who knows what types of things people might end We're up doing. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, the good part, and, and it's great because it actually um, forces you to sort of have something ready. Um, I can't mm -hmm. imagine that if I had to go in and like draw something from scratch, I, I would get <laughs> nothing done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd sit there for two hours and think about what do I want to do? Um, <laughs> so once I settled on, on villains, um, I actually, I, because I had done it last, last year, um, I realized how much time, like what I could accomplish in that four hour window. Cause I'm there from six to 10 each night. And, uh, and I thought, okay, if I just do one character and I keep it, relatively simple i can do one per night so i did eight designs ahead of time and was, those were just rough sketches and then i also that i got approved and then i did color keys at home as well so when i go into the gallery i have uh, my ipad with the color key sitting there mm -hmm. um, and then my painting in front of me that i work from people are often thrown off by the ipad i think they don't really understand like what is that like the concept of a color key yeah. um but uh it's a good learning opportunity for a lot of people they and and it shows them what the painting is going to look like at the end because paintings can look really weird you know in the middle early in middle the, stages yeah. you can be like what is he even doing we don't know what that is um so the ipad is a great tool for them to be like oh he's making you know, Cruella mm -hmm. de Vil or, or Dr. Facilier or something. So. so how do you like, like to me, sitting there in that sort of fishbowl would drive me absolutely crazy. Uh, <laughs> like you kind of have to like that, I think, to to be able to get through. I mean, six to ten yeah. it doesn't sound like a long time, but that's a long time to be sitting there and painting. And, and I know that you end up uh, talking to people probably for a, a big part of that time. Like uh, talk about that part of it. Like, do you enjoy that part of it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if I didn't enjoy it, I, I don't think I would do it because that I can see a lot of artists hating that. If you if you don't like people <laughs> staring at you while you work or, or looking over your shoulder or coming up and touching your your stuff by accident yeah. or whatever. I mean, it's, a lot of artists are like my personal bubble. Do not get in my bubble. Do not talk to me while I work. But it for me, I just sort of I kind of run in two modes. I run in like shut everything out mode where mm -hmm. like people can be trying to talk to me or like get my attention and I'm just like painting <laughs> yeah. just in the zone. Um, and then I run I, and I'm like able to flip a switch and I just kind of turn into like social mode and I, I put down my brush and I turn around and I'm like, hi, how you doing? Like, you know, <laughs> let me sign that for you. So I think I just compartmentalize those two things. If, if yeah. I, if I was to let the, the sort of like talking and stuff blend into the painting it probably wouldn't be a very good painting and I would yeah. get very uh, <laughs> like distracted and confused. Right. But yeah, no, I, I like it. And I, I've met so many cool people through the gallery and just like really friendly. I mean, the great thing is that people when they're on vacation or, or, or just visiting Disneyland, they're usually in a great mood. Right. They're usually like yeah. really happy and excited to see uh, anything like, like a Disney artist, like painting. Like they think it's the coolest thing ever. Little kids love it little kids like have their minds blown um because every kid is an artist and they all they all come up and they say i i like to draw or i like to paint and i'm like that's awesome keep painting um so yeah it's it's been cool it's been a good experience do you get a lot of the same question over and over again yeah definitely well first number one is uh what kind of paint are you using mm -hmm. um which is a good question i i would ask that um yeah. uh, you say magic paint, right? <laughs> magic paint yes 
Um, no, it's I use gouache, um, so it's like a thicker for anybody that hasn't used it. It's like like a very thick, opaque watercolor, mm-hmm. or or kind of like an in between watercolor and acrylic. Um, yeah, it's it's very uh, kind of bright and bold colors, and that's what I love about it. It's the same kind of paint that Mary Blair and every you know uh, Disney artists have used forever, and uh, it's great because you can sort of layer it cover up mistakes you can reactivate it you know you can kind of mold it a little bit um with water and it yeah easy cleanup you know mm-hmm. I, I don't think i could walk into the gallery and take out like oil paints and you yeah. know it would smell and it would be terrible so <laughs> it's great for mobile stuff it's what also what i use for when i go plein air painting when i go outside uh, i'll bring gouache with me and uh, yeah i really like it do you plan your like your finish time at a st- do you plan to finish your piece when you're doing this live stuff at a certain time or is it kind of just happen organically when you get to it? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of both. So I try to time myself, like I'll walk in with the sketch and then I'll, I'll say, uh, all right, I'm going to give myself an hour for the background, an hour for, uh, you know, laying in the character. And then usually there's like a couple other secondary characters or things in the background I need to add in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then maybe like another hour for sort of like lighting effects and and doing outlines and detail work. Um, And then at least an hour for just talking to people in between stuff. And if you get people who come in and are really chatty and like want to talk forever, that that's great. I don't mind talking to people, but you may end up either staying late or taking the piece home unfinished. Luckily, I haven't had to take anything home unfinished. It's just... Um, you know, you can, you can finish it later if you had to, but yeah. So, all right, before we wrap up the Wonderground portion, unless Jared, you got more. No, 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 go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then we'll go back to all the questions Jared has stockpiled (laughs) for you. Um, but so you have, unfortunately, if you're hearing this, his weekend in residence, this last weekend is already done, but you can go back and look at all of his work, um, from this villain series that we've been talking about. Are these pieces going to be available like for purchase through the gallery or turned into prints? Or is this just something that you've done um, that's sort of like a fun live experience? Yeah, no, thank you for bringing that up because all of the pieces that I'm doing this month um, are going to be available. Some of them actually are already available at the gallery. They're they're getting framed awesome. and they're going to go up on the wall and uh, all of the originals are there. There's a small chance that they will take some of them and, and I never know if they're going to do prints mm-hmm. um, or if they're going to, you know, do some sort of product or something with them, that's up to them. Um, so we'll keep our fingers crossed that some of the villains make it onto some other types of stuff. <laughs> they just take it from you and say, like, <laughs> you're not getting it back. It's ours. <laughs> what, which, uh, which of your pieces has been the most popular at Wonderground? Cause I, I mean, your stuff is fantastic. I love everything that you've done, but I'm always curious, like, is there one piece that has uh, done better than everything else or, or, have they all been about the same? First of all, thank you because uh, uh, I appreciate that because your work <laughs> is so amazing there. Um, I would say that uh, I've done a couple Alice in Wonderland pieces and those yeah. are pretty popular. And I th- yeah, I, I think actually the dog, the, I did the Disney Dogs and Cats mm-hmm. series and yeah. those have so many characters on them right. that I think people generally, first of all, people are either dog people or cat people. And, and it's something they relate to and they have pets. And then um, they usually have a favorite dog or cat um, from the movies. So those, I think, have sold pretty well. Those have been pretty popular. Yeah. Yeah. And what was your, like, I have the Alice piece that you did. I love mm-hmm. that piece. What, what was your, this is always funny to me because I whenever I do sort of stylized Disney stuff, it's like, 
a caricature of a caricature is what I always say. Mm-hmm. Cause like there's this established style, which isn't, you know, photographic. It's a, it's a caricature of a person. And then we're doing sort of our own version. What is sort of your approach when you go in to do something like that with these recognizable characters? Um, like how do you approach stylizing something that's so well known? It's not easy. Uh, it's, it's like, you're taking a milk call drawing, which is perfect. <laughs> and then you feel like you're massacring it. And you're like, why am I doing this? Like he, like it can't get better. Like it's sheer con. He can't get better. <laughs> um, so it's not about making it better. Uh, it's about sort of putting your own voice and your own twist on it. And just mm-hmm. saying like, I know I'm not going to make, I'm not going to improve on Alice because she already is a beautifully designed and animated character, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to provide people with sort of a different version that they really enjoy. And that is something that, um, you know, either they find cute or they find, um, it, it can, it can lean in a bunch of different directions. There's stuff there that is maybe a little bit more spooky. It has like a little bit of a different, more adult style. And then there's stuff, Maybe like Jared's that's like very a little bit younger kind of skewing look very cute kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think my stuff, <laughs> as weird as it is, I often think like what if this was like a Saturday morning TV show? Or like mm-hmm. what if this was um, just something more – I like to go a little more graphic, a little more pushed yeah. and stylized in like mm-hmm. the straight versus curve, a little more pushed in the eyes and the expression and like – I don't want them to look crazy, but like they're just a little more <laughs> zany and wild yeah, than they sure. are in the movies. So I like to just push that envelope a little bit and hopefully people, you know, like that take on it. So I get this question. Well, this will this will be my last Wonderground question, Mark. So if you've got something lined up, <laughs> let me know. But I get asked this all the time. So I'm going to ask you to give your answer on this. How does someone get into Wonderground if they're interested in being an artist there? <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, I feel like the way that, that, that I went about it might be <laughs> the best way. Like if you know someone, that's great. If you don't know someone, um, start getting your work in front of the right people, you know, like either drop by the gallery and like drop off a portfolio. And, and if it's really good, they, they will let you know, or, uh, you know, just have a really great social media presence. Like if you have tons of followers and you do beautiful work, and it doesn't have to be Disney work. I think actually it's probably better if it's not Disney work. Uh, and you just you do beautiful illustration, and they could see it translated sort of into the Disney, the world of Disney. Then that's probably the best the best way to get their attention, or to, you know, to get in, get a foot in the door. Okay, that's great. I agree completely with that. I get. I mean, you must get it all the time too. But uh, yeah. so there are a few things that we've kind of covered a lot of your career. So there's a few little things I want to <laughs> touch on before we, we wrap up with you um, in your, on your uh, website, on your uh, resume, it says that you worked on uh, game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, I did. I, I did. have to touch on that. Like what, yeah. what did you do on game of Thrones? And we want to know everything about it. <laughs> it's not as exciting as it probably sounds. I wish I could say I designed the dragons or something cool like that. Um, but I did a project last year that was super fun and, and just a really neat project. Uh, so for the DVDs, they release um, sort of these like lore and history of, of the world of Westeros and like the sort of filling in all the blanks of, of the mm-hmm. past sort of stories and, and myths of the world. Um, and so I, I was hired to do, um, illustrations for an animated sequence that was, uh, it was narrated, um, 
who was it? I, I want to say it was like Sir Davos ended up mm-hmm. uh, narrating it or someone like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of those older white dudes on Game yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and he, uh, they was telling the story of the, the first men and the children in the forest. So it was uh, focused mm. around like Bran and the, the three-eyed raven. Um, and it showed sort of like the weirwood trees and, and how they were connected to the children of the forest. And that was, it was super cool. At, at first they wanted a style that, that was really up my alley. And that was like, they, they were referencing animated movies and stuff that I really liked. And I was, I was totally on board and that's what we did. And then they ended up wanting something that was like much darker and grittier. And so mm-hmm. There, there was a little bit of push and pull there, um, but I think the end product that they got was really cool and it ended up, um, you know, online and, and on the DVD. And it was just really cool to work in that world, like to just get to draw some yeah. of those characters. And, and yeah, it was really fun. So did you uh, end up developing that darker style or did it did it go on to somebody else? Yeah. So what happened was... Um, the feedback on the character design and stuff, it did start to go a little bit more realistic, a little bit more um, like darker, but uh, the overall tone and the colors and the, the illustration and stuff still had a little bit more of like a brighter storybook feel to it. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And then <laughs> the final product, they u- utilizing Photoshop and, and After Effects and whatever else they were doing, they, there was a whole lot of lighting um, alterations. They, everything was made much creepier, much darker, a lot of filters, <laughs> a lot of like special effects and fire and like lightning and crazy stuff added on top of it. So it was very interesting to see my work like taken and kind of turned into something much grittier. Um, <laughs> but it kind of worked when I watched the end product. I was like, hey, that's not exactly what I had in mind, but it looks very cool. And this is online, though, something we can yeah. can we link to it and everything. OK, yeah, we'll yeah, to... I could find it. I could try to link you to it. Absolutely. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> and also, so this is all the random stuff we're getting out of the way here at the end. You did uh, <laughs> you did an Iceland trip uh, with a with a studio or gallery. Is that is that correct? How, yeah. How so did... they're a group called the Light Great Art Lab. And mm-hmm. it's it's both a a gallery, a physical gallery space in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also sort of a collect, like not exactly a collective, but a group of artists who, um, they do classes, they do these amazing artist residencies, these trips that, um, some of them are local to the U S they'll go to like national parks or something. But the main one they've been doing for the last few years is in Iceland. And they, um, they have a few different sort of teams that go and each team is about 10 artists and you get to sort of immerse yourself, uh, for, a week in Iceland with, you know, nine other amazing artists who, who are handpicked mm-hmm. to be in this group together. And they do a very good job of picking like really interesting, cool people from all different walks of life. You, they're not all just sort of like animation artists, though I will say there are a lot of those in my mm-hmm. group. Um, but, uh, you know, there's photographers. We had a photographer for National Geographic. There's people who are, you know, ceramics artists or printmakers or uh, pattern makers or, or people who design characters or design clothing or whatever so there's um a whole wide range of people that you get to to hang out with and um iceland itself is just a gorgeous incredible country everywhere you turn is something beautiful to look at everything is super inspiring um and just going to another country and kind of turning off your your brain for a little bit and just enjoying nature is is inspiring in and of itself so so what was it that like when you went there, were you 
just one of the, the participants in this thing with a bunch of other students or were, were, were people teaching things or was it just uh, like a Iceland summer camp? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually both. Um, yeah. So it did have that sort of summer camp feel or maybe like a real world kind of feel because you were in a house. It's like, <laughs> what happens when people stop me? Um, it was, it was just, um, it was people during the day that you, you went out on day trips to amazing waterfalls and hikes mm-hmm. and, and national parks and glaciers and all that kind of stuff. And then at night you would have like a little break, you'd have dinner, um, hang out for a little bit. And then there would be, uh, like two people scheduled each night to give a workshop. So, uh, based on sort of their, their background usually. Mm-hmm. So, um, we had a, a story artist from Disney who was incredible. Uh, Lisa Tremont, she, she did a great workshop on story and she gave us all, um, sort of like little exercises on how to develop your chops as a story artist. And um, we had another artist who worked in games who completely didn't even talk about games, just just talked about like interpreting dreams and like following your subconscious mind and how that informs your art. And that was wild and fun to listen to. And I, I talked about character design <laughs> mm-hmm. and that was really fun. And um, yeah, every night you just felt like you were bombarded with all this information and then you went to bed really late and woke up really early and did the whole thing over again. Yeah. Uh, do you know why, like, I mean, obviously Iceland is a beautiful and interesting place, but but why Iceland? Did they did they have a reason specifically for that location? Um, I know that they they just love it. The people mm-hmm. that run the program, they, they have been there many, many times. And at mm. this point they are super familiar with it they kind of know where everything is they know where to rent the car and rent the house and go you know they have these different areas of iceland that they they travel to and some groups are in the south and some are in the north i don't know that there's a specific reason that they're Uh like we have to take people to iceland i know that they're thinking about doing one in norway and Mm. they tend to look for places that are pretty remote and kind of removed from you know like major cities i don't think they'd probably do one in like paris or london or something like right they, right they're looking for places that you can escape into nature so oh that sounds really cool what which brings me to the last thing i'm going to ask you about which is the outdoor painting that you do uh i won't go ahead and say that for me how do you say the phrase plein air plein air okay yeah i have I no know. idea i actually looked I it up no one knows online. actually yeah <laughs> um so is that something uh, like, did that come from when you were in school, like doing a uh, like traditional? No, actually, art it didn't. I I wish I had been doing it that long. Um, I'd be a much better artist. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely like the best way to get better at color and light and and um, just painting in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started doing it because my coworkers at uh, Real Effects when I was there a couple years ago, um, super talented painter shout out to zach retz who's just an incredible painter um and i i asked him weirdly enough we both went to rit we went Mm. to the same school but like 10 years apart so i felt really old but (laughs) 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 but he's super talented and he i asked him how he got so good and he was like oh i i go painting every day and i was like well that i guess that would do it um so we (laughs) we started going out at lunch and just uh painting we were in santa monica so we would just go walk around the neighborhood and start um, painting houses and streets and trains and cement factories and random stuff all over Santa Monica. Um, And then it just was so much fun that I started doing it on the weekends. I would go out um, all around LA, uh, Eastern Eastern LA, Pasadena, the Huntington Garden, all all different areas around here. Um, And then uh, I had the opportunity in Iceland to do 
a bunch of paint paintings there, mm-hmm. um, which just everywhere you look, it's so beautiful. You had no problem finding a good subject. Um, and then I, I was lucky enough that they really liked my paintings from Iceland and the ones I've been doing at home that I had a, a full uh, gallery show of just my work of the, the plein air paintings um, at their physical wow. gallery in Minnesota this mm-hmm. spring. And that was, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's the work that you do there. That's incredible. Uh, the painting stuff. And I can see how that would uh, sort of inform just about everything. Do I mean, it's very different than say character design, mm-hmm. but I mean, just the, what the amount that you're able <laughs> to turn out and uh, the detail on that is, are you using gouache in those as well? Or Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and the trick for like churning out so many is I just work really small. <laughs> mm, okay. I work like less than five by seven, like oh, three really? by four or so. Very, very small. Um, and the, and the other trick is to use the biggest brush possible. So you're just staying loose for as long as you can and then knocking in a few little details here and there. Mm-hmm. And you'd be amazed mm-hmm. at how much that sells the image, you know, yeah. just like if you have the color and the light and the value correct, um, not everything has to be fully rendered, not everything. Ha- and it's much better actually, if it isn't, you look, you know, if you want to stay loose. So I try to limit them to like, mm, like an hour to two hours at most for, sure. for a single painting. But gouache is great for that kind of thing. It just dries so fast. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Amazing. So my last question then, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Mark. So get get ready with your questions. Um, <laughs> what is sort of the, um, like, what is the big goal for you? Like, you're doing a lot of this stuff, like you're working, <laughs> doing everything uh, right now. But is there a like a specific job that you would be after or is it just doing more of what you're currently doing? That's, that's really hard to say. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm super happy doing what I'm doing now and I can, yeah. I can imagine um, just continuing to do more of that and I'd be right. happy doing that. Um, but I, I sort of alluded to it before that I, I have my own projects that I would love to get off the ground. I mean, you can kind of only work for other people for so long before you, you know, wish that you were working for yourself or at least mm-hmm. wish that maybe other people were working for you too. <laughs> right, right. So I have a, I have a graphic novel that I've written, um, oh. that I would, I've, I've got all the characters designed and, uh, I would love to start drawing that and, and inking that oh, wow. and pitching that around if, if possible. So that's, that's like a next project. I think just focusing more on, cool. on storytelling. I, I took a storyboarding class recently and, and mm-hmm. it was great and I loved it. And I think improving on, on like shot choice and, and, you know, camera positioning and, and angles and uh, yeah. storytelling through that is something I want to get better at. And yeah, just kind of taking it in a more storytelling cinematic um, place would be great in terms of sort of my own stuff I want to develop. Mm-hmm. And then I would also love to just take the, the sort of self-publishing, um, cre- going cons and stuff, all this product that I've been creating um, and and do something with that, like something a little more than what I've been doing if I could turn it into anything else. Um, the problem is obviously everything is time and money and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. working for someone else is sort of instant gratification. You know, you get a paycheck and you go on with your life and everything is great. Whereas when you're trying to get your own business off the ground, it's, it's can be a long road and, uh, and can be a, yeah. a, a road that doesn't pay very well <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> for at least for a little while. So we'll see. I think all of those things are, are stuff that I've, I've got turning in the background and um, hopefully we'll, we'll continue to move forward. 
Yeah, that's interesting because like as you get older, you start getting better at what you do. So then you start getting the work that you've always dreamed of getting and then, you know, those pay better. But then you quickly adjust to that, uh, you know, the <laughs> yes. difference in money. And so then it's yes. hard to say, well, I'm going to stop this and, and then, right. you know, strike right. out on my own. So that's well, that's great. I mean, you're it's amazing that you continue to to learn. Uh, that you're not staying like, oh, this is the only thing I want to do for the rest of my life. Like you're pushing yourself to yeah. do all these diverse projects. I think that's that's amazing. So, all right, Mark, I'm turning it over to you. Are you wrapping us up? <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of. So before we totally wrap up, um, I have a short list of like rapid fire questions for you, Bill, Uh-oh. if you are up for the challenge. Absolutely. Okay, so it's not really a challenge. It's just your opinions on <laughs> these topics. So these are, I'm going to ask you what your favorite blank is. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite ride at Disneyland? Oh, Splash Mountain. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> and your favorite ride at California Adventure? Screaming. And your favorite animated disney movie mm. i feel like you should have that one on the tip of your tongue i know and usually involved my, with animation right? and, and my answer usually <laughs> actually is emperor's new groove um, <laughs> which Whoa. a lot of a lot of people are confused by but yeah. it is the one disney movie that i can watch over and over and still laugh and love the design of mm-hmm. and the songs and every, i mean everything is just so fun in that movie it makes me laugh and it's it's terrific. Has that was that a, like a favorite when you were little, or was that more of an adult? I didn't thing? see it till college. I mean, oh, and okay. maybe that had you know an influence on it because it was it is I think a little bit older humor in, yeah. in a lot of it. Like the jokes are kind of subtle and like fast paced, and right. I think it's like Arrested Development. Like it just moves quickly, and it's it's super funny. Um, if I had to pick just for like design alone, I would go for a class. I would do like Peter Pan or something. That would be yeah. See that. Mm. <laughs> okay, that's a good. Answer. We could that, do that, a whole I, other show yeah. on Emperor's New Groove. I think. Yeah. I I was just gonna say that is quite a surprising answer, but uh, to to follow that one up, what's your favorite live action Disney movie? Ugh. Oh man. There's so many terrible ones to choose from. I know. I can't stop thinking of all the terrible ones. I'm just trying to think of the the really good ones. So that's everything, Mark? Like Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. I know that's a hard one because there's like, you know, like yeah, like Jared said, the Pirates now. And there's so many reboots of their older ones. I I remember when I was in elementary school, the last day of every school year, Mm -hmm. we would sit down in this auditorium and like they would on this projection screen show like an old Disney movie. So we would see stuff like uh, Herbie uh, and the Gus, the field goal kicking donkey. donkey. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> the shaggy dog, like all those like really, really old. Would you, um, would you accept movies. Roger Rabbit? Sure. That's, okay. Sure. There you go. That's a <laughs> I good know it's answer. Half animated, but <laughs> that would be my my favorite. That's a great that, yeah. I that love or that movie Mary Poppins, so much. either one. Mary Poppins or, or those are both half. I know, I know, and or Bedknobs <laughs> and Broomsticks. You know, anything that has animation. In it. Was there a, a Disney movie though that you saw as a kid that was particularly impactful, or were you too busy with marionettes? At that point? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I feel like some people who end up you know working for Disney or something they they've wanted to be a Disney artist right. since they were three years old. Yeah. Um, and I was not like that. I like, I, I loved 
Disney movies like any kid would. Sure. Um, but I, I was not like obsessed with them in mm-hmm. the way that I was like Henson stuff and, and yep. you know, more mm-hmm. fantasy type things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I loved Alice in Wonderland as a kid. That was oh, you did. That, yeah. I really, I just, I thought, I thought the, I actually liked that story to oh. begin with. Like I, I even oh. if it wasn't a Disney movie, I liked the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a similar story actually to uh, these other all sorts of other projects that I love, which is like Labyrinth mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or um, Wizard of Oz. It's like a girl lost in a crazy world, right? Meeting crazy people, doing crazy things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I just I was drawn to all of those stories because of that fantastical element of mm-hmm. you, you never kind of know what's going to happen next. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I did not grow up a big Disney movie fan either. I mean, we, I think you can't help but see them as a kid, right? Your parents mm-hmm. will always take you to these things. But I remember, like, we saw, I think we've talked about this before a little bit. We saw, like, Lady and the Tramp, and we were just bored to death by that <laughs> movie. You know, I mean, like, now it I can, boring. of course, appreciate it for the animation and all that stuff. But yes. as a kid, this, like, yeah. 1950s romantic comedy kind of thing was just, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there was so much, like, once Star Wars came, I think that kind of ruined everything else for us. Uh, like, everything was compared to Star Wars. So, yeah, that's a, these are actually tougher questions than I thought, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll, well, when we have your origin story episode yeah. here, it'll have a whole list of these <laughs> rapid-fire questions. Right. That'll probably end up being an hour yeah, long. Yeah, on the first question alone, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last one, or maybe last one. Marvel, Disney, or Star Wars? Uh, <laughs> uh, Disney. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't mind the other two, but I, I didn't see Star Wars till like all the way through till a few years ago i i oh, did not geez. grow up on it yeah it, that was not my thing <laughs> i'm glad um, this is coming out at the end of the interview yeah here. right sorry <laughs> i i mean i i like it i yeah. i like the puppets i like yoda the puppets, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i appreciate it for its what you know where it stands in the cultural landscape uh but it was not something that i was like obsessed with as a kid very diplomatic um, answer yeah that's yeah, very good. yeah so i do i, I want to i'm sorry mark i'm going to extend this it's just going to keep going but yeah, did you do it do you remember seeing sound of music as a kid and that uh that puppet show in there because i remember that was yes for some reason very influential to me like Absolutely. we were obsessed with that scene and yes. that stage and everything like oh my yep. god these lucky rich kids but right yeah <laughs> it was, yeah that scene is is incredible i, I love that yeah. All right, Mark. Last one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Last one. This is uh, totally like low hanging fruit. And I think we ask a lot of our guests this, but, and a lot of other podcasts do too, but whatever, we're not above oh. it. What, if you have, like you've worked with um, a lot of big properties and everybody wishes they could do something with Disney, but is there another brand or pop culture property out there that you would love to work with that you haven't yet? Oh, that's a, that's a great, that's a great question. Because um, I know Disney's like, you know, the pinnacle for most, most people, and you've already covered that. Yeah. So is there something else that you're kind of, you'd love to have a part of? Not Star um, Wars, obviously. <laughs> it's Yeah, I mean, it's not so much necessarily a property, and it's not, this isn't a great answer, but I, I would, I've always wanted to do a, a, like a golden book, like a, like a little mm. golden book because I grew up. Oh, that totally wanting, counts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And And I'm actually working on one right now, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so you've already so I don't goal know accomplished. Um, 
which is which is terrific. I'm so happy to be on that. Um, but can yeah, you, I mean, can you talk about that golden book yet? Is it Earl Hush Hush uh, still? I imagine. I, I don't think mm. I can talk about it yet. Yeah. Is it um, is it what you thought it was going to be as far as working on a golden book, or did you I have mean, any yeah, idea? I, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess so. Yeah, it's 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 with um, working with the same team that I was uh, with on the Frozen books and stuff. So mm-hmm. a lot of the same people. Um, so I kind of knew what what it would be going into it, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's it's fun. It's I like that format, and uh, it's just such a sort of has a has a place in people's hearts, just like Disney does. You know, like the a lot of people grow up on those little golden books. So yeah, did you have a specific golden book that you remember as a kid that you liked, or just in general? I mean, it's it's got such a great style. And there's like so many different eras of golden books. Yeah, but, yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, actually, as funny as it is, I loved the Disney Golden Book mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, um, those were awesome, and uh, and then the the classics like mm-hmm. the Pokey Little Puppy and you know all the ones, yeah, the Tawny Scrawny Lion and uh, all those had those as a kid. But um, oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, so we're, they're hearing it here first that he's working on a Golden <laughs> Book, <laughs> which hopefully comes out at some point. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's been great having you on, Absolutely. Bill. I want to thank you so much for taking your time out of your day. I know you've got your hand in a lot of different projects, so we really do appreciate your time. Um, just so you don't have to say it, we're going to have links to all of your social media handles and how to get in contact with you with, to your website um, in our show notes. So if you aren't already following Bill, be sure to check out our show notes, go to his website, um, check out his social media, give him a follow. So Bill, we've, before we've got about a week before this actually airs. If you can find <laughs> or post anything about those puppet shows that you do, I mean, like seriously, <laughs> like, I don't even mean that like as a jokey, just, kid a, thing. just an image. Like I'm so fascinated image. by this elaborate puppet show now that yeah, any image like that newspaper article or something, <laughs> let us know and we will link to it for sure. All right. All right. I, I may <laughs> just make your dreams come true. We'll awesome. <laughs> Uh, but we will have to have you back on when you do the revival of Puppet Playhouse. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, but as always, you can find us on all the social medias. It's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at SquaredCo, and our website is squaredco.org. With that, thank you so much for listening. That's it for today. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the Squared Call podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Goodbye.